Bavabasra Perk Ches Mishnah Zayin 8-7. The case of this Mishnah is starting where there's a man who wants to give one of his pieces of real estate to a child or his children, but he wants to retain the rights to get the benefit from that real estate. That could be, you know, the rent from the apartment he's collecting, or the rights to stay in the house that he owns, or the ability to harvest the field that he owned and get the produce. Whatever it is, he wants to retain those, what we call usufruct rights. He wants to retain the rights of the output of the property while he's alive. And then when he dies, then the corpus, the actual property itself, will pass over um, to full use of the son or sons. But he, until that time, he wants to assign the ownership and title to the sons, yet retaining rights himself. He'll ask why in the world he wants to do that. So a possible answer is, say, for example, a man's getting married to a second wife, and he doesn't want his... Ksuba, that he's giving the second wife, um, to also um, be able to have a lien on this particular property. So he can give it a, give it away now. So he's giving away now, but he's sort of retaining usage of it until he dies. So the question our mission wants to answer, first and foremost, is what is the expression um, that should be used in the contract describing this transaction? So the mission says, Akosav Nechasav Levanav, if one's trying to do this, and he's writing it to his sons, he has to include expressions both of the transactions happening today, because he's handing over the rights to the property itself, but as for the output of the property, those are only transfer once he dies. That's a Tanakam Rabbi Yossi disagrees. Rabbi Yossi says, That's not necessary. It's not necessary to mention the part about to transfer after death because that's that's going to happen automatically. In other words, let me take a step back. The purpose for saying from today is because if you only wrote it's gifted after he dies, so then that's meaningless. You can't give something after you're dead. Once you're dead, the laws of Yerusha immediately kick in and whatever the laws kick in, the way they kick in. You can't gift once death happens because it's no longer yours to gift. If you gift it now, so then it's totally over now, it's handed over now, and there's nothing to do with what happens after you die, it's handed over right now. So we're having this like this like both these expressions to show they want the part and part to happen now, part to happen later. Rubiosa says, not necessary. If you just simply write, it should be given to my son um, after I die, and no mention of mehayom. I hope I didn't say that wrong before. Um, if you say just la'achar misa, but not mentioning mehayom, so from today... Serbiosi holds that uh, the date on the contract itself speaks of the date. It's from today. And there's no reason a person would say he's giving something after he dies unless he means he's giving the rest of the usage after he dies, but the main thing is giving now. Because the gift something just after you die as a standalone is not meaningful. A person would never want to do that because that's not a thing you can do even. Therefore, Biosi holds all you need to do is say la'achar misa, referring to um, the usage of it, and the gifting of the actual corpus of the property happens from today, based on the date of the contract, without mentioning from today. Halach would be like Rabbi Yossi. Now, um, now the mission will sort of explore like how this is going to play itself out. So now instead of giving it to all his sons, whatever it is, let's say he gives it just, let's say he has you know, three sons and he gives it to one of them. So a close in the Chasav Levano, let's say he played favorites and he gave one of his sons this house, but he's giving the house in a way that he's intending to live in the house until he dies. Um, so that's like this case from before. So, he, he gives it 
to a son now in terms of the title, but he only lets the son move in, or whatever it is, or rent it out after he dies. Ha'av eno yacho limkor. So the father no longer has the rights to sell the house. He can't sell the house. Because the house has now been assigned to the son. Vahaben and the son, who is the legal owner of the house, he also can't sell it now. Because in the meantime, the, the father is living there. The father is, has rights to live there um, until he dies, so the son can't sell it. Now, what happens if these father or son break the rules and they violate what they're not supposed to do? But let's they do it. Enter a contract with somebody, and of course, um, when the somebody finds out that the sale has got significant limitations, they'll probably just say this is and walk away. But if they don't, let's say everyone, everyone knows they're doing, but the son, or the father for that matter, um, does sell what he can sell. So what's going to happen? So says the Mishnah, if the father, after giving it the title to the son during his life, but retaining rights to use it while the father's still alive, um, then father goes and sells sells this place to somebody else, that somebody else, that, that's an avery, he can't do it, but if he does, so then indeed the house is sold, meaning the rights to live in the house are going to be transferred to the new purchaser. So the guy who buys it will be able to live in the house so long as the father is alive. Once the father dies, the house now becomes the son's and the person who bought those rights has to move out. If the son who has no rights to be in the house yet, but he has title to the house, if he sells it now while the father is alive, so then the purchaser has no rights in anything until the father dies. And as soon as the father dies, at that point, the house now transfers over to the purchaser until then the father gets to live there and so the purchaser is just the purchaser in name. But that's that's all he is. Um, yeah. Now, Ha'av while the father has rights to use this property, so he can um, tolesh, like he can harvest whatever he wants of the property, and umachil and feed it to whomever he wants. The idea is you might have had a havi and you might have thought that since there's a special deal, the father's allowed to you know make use of the property. You might have thought for some reason it was limited just to the father's benefit, but not to any other third party. That's incorrect. The father's retaining all rights without limitation to the output of the property while he's alive, and therefore he can do what he wants with the output. He can give it to whomever he wants. But whatever he leaves over after the father dies, which has been detached from the ground, so those are detached, and therefore they go to his heirs, I'll call it equally, meaning by the usual rules of Yerusha, and not to the particular son that he gave the rest of the property to, because since it's detached from the ground, so now it's not part of the ground. So it's part of the larger estate. Now, um, interesting to note before we move on from this topic, um, there is a machlok shonim. What's the status of fruit, which is like ready to be harvested and should be harvested, but hasn't yet been harvested? So that's a machlok. According to the Rambam, if it's already got to be harvested now, it just hasn't been yet, it's as if it is already harvested, meaning it's no longer subordinate to the ground. That's the Rambam shita. We saw that back in, in the, the fifth parish of Mishnah Zion over there, and the bartender brought it. The Rashbam's Shita, the Rashbam is like the Rashi, if you will, on Bava Basra. Rashi isn't here in this part of Bava Basra. So the Rashbam Shita is no, until it's been detached, in fact, from the ground. That's as if it's still attached to the ground, subordinate to it, and therefore it's part of the ground itself. Okay? The Bartanura goes like the Rashbam in this Mishnah. So he's inconsistent between what he said back in 5.7 and what he's saying here in 8.7. Um, but either as a May, that's, that's what the, Rash, the Bartanura does. Okay, so now, we now begin, we're still in the same Mishnah, but it's like a new topic. In fact, in the Gemara itself, um, it's a new Mishnah in the Gemara. 
so it's a new case here. And the case here we're talking about here now um, is how we deal like more practically with the allocation of the resources left over in the estate. So the Mishnah says, The father dies and he leaves over a son. Let's say there are four sons, there are two are older and two are younger. And they could be from two different marriages for that matter, right? Two older sons from marriage one and two younger sons from marriage two. And you could have two marriages at the same time for that matter, whatever it is. The elder brothers literally can't be supported. This is like in their clothing at the expense of the younger. Meaning the assumption is that the clothing that older children require are more expensive than clothing of younger children. So if we provide for you know a, a clothing for all the kids, more money would have to be spent for the older kids, and that is not going to be fair. And similarly... And the younger children can't be like fed at the expense of the elder children. I mean, the assumption of this Mishnah here is that it costs more to feed younger children than older children. They eat more often, they eat more expensive foods, whatever the story is. And therefore, and the thought is that you can't just say, like uh, you know, communist style, each according to his needs, and older kids need more fancy clothes, younger kids need more expensive food, and like, you know, that's just how it's going to be. No, that's not how you do it. Rather, it has to be done equally. Meaning, you know, obviously the day after the father dies, if the kids need clothing and food the next that same day, or the next day, so there's not enough time yet to run all the accounting, put it through probate, and divide it up equally. So the point is you have to keep receipts and figure out how much was spent on the clothing for each of the kids separately and how much the food of each kid ate separately. And then ultimately divide up the estate equally amongst all the brothers according to the rules of Yerusha. And um, and you have to do a true up to make sure everyone gets exactly their fair share. No one's allowed to get more than the other once father's dead. Now, Nasuha Gadolim, if the older sons got married, let's just say hypothetically, you know, the, their marriage was scheduled for like the day after the father died. So the older sons got married and made fancy weddings um, and the younger sons were too young to get married. So then, Yisu HaKatanim, when the younger boys are ready to get married, they also should be married off from the estate equally. Meaning, if the hypothetically two older boys got married after the father died and they each from the estate were given these 100,000 shekel weddings, so then you have to set 100,000 shekels aside from the estate for the younger boys, and then divide the rest equally. That's only fair. But, now the next line of the mission is a little misleading, okay? There's like an important break here. The next line of the mission is saying, well, not what we said before, where the older boys got married after the father died. Now, this case is, what happens if the older boys got married before the father died? So these two older boys, let's say, had these lavish weddings, 100,000 shekels each, and now the younger boys you know, are orphaned, and they haven't had weddings at all. So they say, listen, we also want to have fancy weddings like our brothers did. So the mission will say, no, that's not how it works. What the father gave during his lifetime, what he spent during his lifetime on his sons, that's the father's prerogative. Once the father dies, the estate is divided equally amongst the boys, again, ignoring any Bechorah issue. And therefore, the fact that older boys had fancy weddings is too bad. The younger boys will get exactly one, in this case, you know, one quarter of the estate each, as soon as no Bechorah issue. And, um, and they'll have to, that's how it's going to be. There's no extra allocation just because the older kids had weddings that were paid for by the father during the father's lifetime. So the here says, Inside, Vim Amru, Katanim, if the younger boys say, Hare Anu no sin she atem, we want to have weddings the way you guys had weddings, meaning we understand that now we're orphans, but you guys had these fancy weddings, and that money went to you, we want to get the same. 
says the Mishnah, no, the Bezin will not countenance that claim. We don't acknowledge that claim. Rather, what the father gave during his lifetime, that was his prerogative. What's given is gone. But now that we have a Yerusha to allocate, we allocate exactly fairly, um, dollar for dollar, amongst all the heirs, exactly according to the rules of Yerusha.